What have the days been like for you these days? I don't know about you, but it's been kind of a long winter. It's been a heavy season. Uh, Personally, but, you know, I can hardly get myself to open the news. Because it's all bad, it seems like. And, and that can get a little bit discouraging, you know? Um, it's, it's hard when we're going through hard things in a, on a personal level, on a national level, on a worldwide level, to not become overwhelmed. What we're going to talk about today is, I think, an important part, an important tool, a way in which you can not be overwhelmed. We are in a series that I'm just calling One. It's a textual series. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I hope you'll turn there. Last week, we began by saying that this is important because your methods matter. It's not just your message, it's your method. So we want to be humble. We want to watch our walk. We want to watch our manner. And we want to watch our walk, the person we look at in the mirror, And as we do that, that helps us focus in the right direction. Now, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we started in verses 1 and 2. This week, we're going to be on verse 3, but I want to go ahead and read the whole text, and then uh, we'll dive in. Page 1,253, if you don't know where Ephesians 4 is, that would be in in the Pew Bible. Paul writes, I... Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager, this is our verse today, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, the, the first thing we recognize when it comes to unity in the body of Christ is to have Unity, we must earnestly desire it. It it doesn't work. When when Paul says uh, you must, uh, he says, be eager to maintain. That's in the ESV. Other translations say make every effort. Be diligent. Endeavor. Do your best. No nation. No company. No marriage. And no friendship can stay together without the desire of both parties to keep it together. God loves people, specifically who, and loves all people, but he loves people very specifically who are in the business of keeping people together. You recall from the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, There at the beginning of that sermon, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, or they should be called sons of God. The the people who are in the process of of bringing peace. And there's a way in which we can think about relational peace, but also spiritual peace. People who bring people together and are in the business of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, are the kind of people that please God. On a personal level, if you turn to Romans chapter 12, a very practical application, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul writes, if possible, so far as it depends on you, 
live peaceably with all. So to have unity, you have to have the desire to keep the thing together. But you also have to have people who are willing to make the effort. And so when Paul says, as far as it depends on you, if you're in a partnership and one of them is just giving up on it, that thing's not going to last. And the other person may want to make it last, but they can only do so much. That's what Paul's saying is here. Make sure as you look in the mirror on the subject of unity that you, as far as it depends on you, you're, you're making every effort. Most of the time when we get into sub, the subject of keeping unity, it starts with, well, if they would just... No, no, no. That's, what, that's not what Paul's saying here, either in Ephesians or in Romans. He says, start with you. And by the way, just as much as God loves those who keep peace, he hates, and I don't use that word lightly, he hates those who stir division. He hates people who intentionally, it's one of the things he lists in Psalms, of brothers who stir up dissension toward one another. Perhaps you know someone like that, the, the, the office gossip, and you know, they're, they're always in the scuttlebutt, and they're always kind of, oh, tell me about this, oh, but that's not what I heard, you know? And they are intentionally working the seeds and sowing the seeds of division, and God hates that. When Jesus was talking about marriage, he said, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no man drive apart. And so... God loves people who keep people together, who have the desire for unity, and he hates people who intentionally drive a wedge. He needs people who are peacemakers. Uh, We work really good, uh, really well at that at Northside. We have a pretty strong, I think, a a pretty strong and effective anti-gossip measure. You want to know what it is? It's not the preacher. He he can't command that sort of thing. Um, If you would please, if you are related to another person here at Northside, would you raise your hand? (laughs) So if you're a gossip, (laughs) if you're a person who loves spreading slander, who loves sowing seeds of division, uh, you're in the wrong place at Northside. A little bit of humor there, but, but on a serious point, If it gives you thrills to cause hate and hardship and division and spread rumors and gossip, you will not find a comfortable place here at Northside. That's not who God wants us to be. And I know it's a sin we kind of gloss over, but gossip is a sin that God absolutely hates. So be careful with your words. Be careful with your words. To have unity requires you have the desire... You make every effort, and it, that making every effort comes from the desire to keep all the, the pieces together. Let me illustrate with a story. Two years ago, our family went on vacation. Two years ago, as you may remember, we had this slight pandemic thing. So we were uh, found somebody who had a little cabin to rent and thought, this would be good. We just need to get out of our own house and... We went to this cabin, and it was very nice, 
and we spent about a week there. And, you know, there was, it was all the hardships. We didn't have internet. I know, it's crazy. Um, and uh, so we just had one another. Um, and we had to, we spent that time together. We spent time on the lake and we went swimming and did all sorts of stuff. It was a great time. One of the things that we did while we were there was there was a shelf that had a bunch of games and one of the things that it had was a jigsaw puzzle. And so we pulled that down and we just had it out there out on the table and we were just, we would just work a little bit and sometimes it was all of us working it and sometimes it was just one of us working it, but we were all working the puzzle together. And it was a big puzzle. I don't remember exactly how many pieces, but it was, you know, enough that it required constant effort day after day after day. Until finally we got to, I don't know, we were maybe a day or two away from our time being done at the little cabin there, and we got almost done, and you know what happened. We got almost done. And we came up short by one piece. Now at that point, it changed. Because we knew that we were just one piece short. And so we began, you know, turning over couch cushions, looking under furniture. Uh, we began just, just looking everywhere, you know, checking the inside of your shoe, just looking for any possible place that this piece might have fallen because we couldn't bear to live with the thought that we had come all this way and, and made all of this effort and fell short by one piece. We looked for that piece earnestly. And now you understand the kind of spirit uh, that God wants among his people. He wants us to strive after it earnestly. See, in that moment, we desired to have all the pieces together. Otherwise, it was incomplete. We finally, we finally did find it. The one piece. I didn't steal it, don't worry. Um, we finally found the one piece. It was my wife who found it. She is, she is the finder of all things. If my wife cannot find it, it is lost. Just give up hope. She found it. The puzzle was complete. But it, it was in that moment when we were just one piece short that I, it struck me how important it is to have the desire for all the pieces to be together. Second, Paul says to keep, to maintain unity. He said, first we have to have unity. Then we have to maintain unity. And to do that, you need a little help. Um, the, the helper that's given to us is the Holy Spirit. And the, Jesus promised this helper to the apostles and to all those who would follow in Matthew, I'm sorry, in John chapter 14, verse 26. He said, I will send you a helper. Uh, Peter says that when you're baptized, you receive not only the forgiveness of sins, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some people have taken advantage of the Holy Spirit and preached a false doctrine about what he does. And so our response is to create a little false doctrine of our own and, and almost ignore the Holy Spirit. And that's not right either. The scripture is very clear is that he is real. He indwells within us. He doesn't do anything magical or mystical. He helps us to be holy. He helps us to pray. He helps us to do what's right. He brings to mind the things that Jesus taught that we're to be doing. That's how he indwells you and I. He bears fruit in our lives if we'll let him. Now, you know that fruit as what we call the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of times we focus on 
the fruit, but the point is not the fruit, but the spirit. The fruit of the spirit, according to Galatians 5.22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, the fruit is the result of the spirit working in our lives. The fruit is the result of us yielding to the spirit. And when you yield to him and do what he guides you to do, which, which will always point you back to the word, you will bear the fruit of all of these qualities that will help in unity. Unity from the spirit is very powerful. I want you to think about this. This book, if you have a Bible, if you're following along, just hold your Bible up for just a second. Okay, your Bible, if you have a physical copy, if you have a digital one, that's okay too. But the Bible, the word Bible means simply books. It's 66 books written by over 40 different authors over a period of 1,600 years. You see, there is a lot of opportunity for human beings to insert their opinions and their theology into this book and just be of them. But when it's guided by the Spirit, 40 different, over 40 different authors can author over 66 different books over a period of 1,600 years, and it's all brought together as one consistent, infallible, perfect, inspired message. How does that happen? By the Spirit. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, so we recognize how the Spirit not only works in the Word, but He works within our lives. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Peter writes, Above all, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for prophecy never was produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's how you can take 40 plus different men, over 66 different books, over 1,600 years, and make one message is because of one Spirit. And so that's the help that we need. We call this the unity of the Spirit. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul makes the analogy that we are a body. We sang about that this morning, or I hope you did. That we are the body of Christ. And the analogy is perfect. But look what he says in verses 12 through 13. This is page 1229. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ For in Christ, I'm sorry, for in one spirit, did you catch that? For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. That is the unity of the spirit. It's how... Over 500 people from all different walks of life, all different stories, all different experiences, all different uh, levels of this world can come together as one. The same spirit that works in the word is the same spirit that works within his people. True unity then, of course, begins with Christ. He says, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What's the bond of peace? Well, in my view, that's, that's Christ. 
He is the only one who can give us peace with God. In Romans 5, 1, Paul writes, Therefore we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and following, Paul writes these words, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as, have been, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is no Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one. How does that happen? In Christ Jesus. You see, we need one to be one. And it starts with Christ. So to have unity, you must desire it. To maintain unity, you need a little help. And, to, and true unity must start with Christ. Now, why is that important? I want you to look at verse, and if you haven't been following along, I want to encourage you to turn. Uh, go ahead and look at this verse from page 1,256, or Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. He says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Why is that important? Well, as I said, we're, we're living in pretty dark days, if you haven't noticed, and Sometimes it's easy to get a bit overwhelmed with all the darkness in the world. But Paul says, I want you to let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So no matter whether I'm with you or away, that I know that people are seeing the gospel. Now here's what that looks like. I want to show you a picture now, you saw, you read, you heard about all of the evil happening in Ukraine as they are being invaded. And it's just awful, some of the things you see. But in the middle, in the midst of such darkness, I want to show you a picture of the gospel from your brothers and your sisters in Ukraine. <laughs> You see, in Ukraine, the people were seeking shelter. But it was the church that was showing them the refuge. Their example sets a high standard for us. And the calling that we have, who ask you, are you walking in a manner worthy of that calling? Paul issues that challenge. I issue that challenge for you to think about and take seriously the call to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, that the world may see the gospel. As Paul would write, one mind 
striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. May we be eager to maintain it so that the world will see the unstoppable and unmatchable power of Jesus Christ and his body. As we close out, I want to invite you to be a part of that body if you're not already. And the way to do it, we've already mentioned, as Peter proclaimed on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, to repent and be baptized. If you haven't done that, I want to encourage you, in just a minute, we're going to sing a song. Charles is going to lead that song, and you can go straight to the back, meet one, with one of our shepherds, and they'll be glad to help facilitate that process. Maybe you haven't been striving for unity. Maybe you're a gossip. Maybe you're a slander and you need to repent in some way. And if you need the elders to pray with you, they'll be glad to do that. If they need to bring that before the congregation, they'll be glad to do that as well. If you have a spiritual need, I'll encourage you to head to the back as we stand and sing this song.